everyone, and welcome to That Wellness Podcast with Natalie Deering. I'm sitting here today with Andre Philpot. Andre lives in Cincinnati, Ohio with her husband and daughter, where she currently works as a middle school science teacher within the public school system. She is also a trauma-sensitive yoga facilitator and an activist involved in anti-human trafficking efforts. She is passionate about helping others overcome and heal from their trauma in order to live a fulfilling and empowered life. Welcome, Andre, to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Natalie. I'm so excited. I'm really excited, yeah, to sit with you and talk with you about specifically trauma-sensitive yoga. Mm -hmm. It's something that I have some experience with. I'm, I haven't gone through the certification like you have and all of that. And I know that that's a term that has been used in some yoga studios and offered in some yoga studios here in the United States. And I, I'm sure that there are listeners taking this in right now that maybe have never heard of that trauma sensitive yoga as even a thing. And yes. then there's probably some listeners that have, you know, utilized that beautiful service within maybe a group setting or one-on-one. And then there's probably listeners who are just really curious about knowing more about what that is and what it looks like and who would benefit from it. So I'm excited to have met you and to know that this is something that you're very passionate about. Likewise, likewise. So let's dig in. Mm -hmm. Let's start with how did you even get involved with trauma-sensitive yoga? So I got involved with trauma-sensitive yoga. It goes back to years ago, over five years ago. My husband and I um, were both very involved in nonprofits and in work that was centered around anti-human trafficking movements. And in 2020, we moved to Nepal. Nepal and India are kind of epicenters for human trafficking in South Asia, specifically sex trafficking of young girls. And so we were recruited by an organization that does aftercare and prevention for sex trafficking survivors. And I came over as a teacher um, and was helping in their schools and to tutor survivors in English. And then COVID happened and a bunch of crazy things happened. And so we ended up working with a different organization that was doing rescues. Well, we actually don't like to use the term rescues anymore. We like to say recoveries, um, but recoveries of minor girls that were being trafficked in Nepal and they saw a need for a different kind of aftercare home. And so we were brought on board as quasi-experts in the field to help start a new aftercare home for minor survivors of sex trafficking being rescued from brothels and cabin restaurants in Nepal. Mm. And so in doing that, we were trying to build this brand new holistic live-in aftercare program from the ground up. And so we were just diving into the literature. We were trying to find best practices, the latest research, what helps, what doesn't, how, how can we help not only empower and heal these young women who have been through these tragedies, but also empower the local Nepalis to be the one to be the ones to take the reins because yeah. we don't want to come in. We are the experts in anti-trafficking or education, um, but we are not the experts in the culture. We're not the experts in 
life experiences, lived experiences for Nepali people. And so we wanted to not only empower and heal, help to empower and heal those young women, but also the local Nepalis that wanted to be involved and be the ones Mm. that were running this aftercare home. So all that to say, when I was digging into all of this research with all of this on my mind, I kept coming across movement and trauma-sensitive yoga specifically as a way of reclaiming and reconnecting to the body, especially for survivors of trauma for individuals suffering from complex trauma or treatment resistant PTSD. And the more I dug into it, the more I saw that that trauma sensitive yoga could be such a powerful vehicle and tool for healing for these populations. Um, unfortunately, my husband and I had to move home from Nepal a little earlier than we expected to, but I continued with the certification that I ended up starting in trauma sensitive yoga and got certified. And now I am looking to towards helping individuals in Cincinnati that are maybe suffering from trauma or PTSD, things like that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The, just you sharing all of that just now. I mean, that's, that's a beautiful calling. It sounds like that you and your husband had mm-hmm. in terms of number one, helping people that are put into those, you know, traumatic situations of human trafficking and and all of that. And to also then move your life to Nepal Mm -hmm. and go to the place where maybe it was happening pretty frequently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just, it sounds like that was something that you and your husband were really called to. And I'm just kind of amazed and in awe of (laughs) you all being willing to do that. That's, that's really beautiful. And I'm curious. Yeah. You know, and I'm curious, was yoga something that you were involved in before? Yoga was something that I would go to maybe a couple classes a week over the summers when I was off. It's not something that I ever had a very diligent practice with. Um, however, that actually seems to be more beneficial as a facilitator of trauma sensitive yoga because it's it's very different the purpose of it the way it looks the core tenets they're they're all very very different so i actually am glad that i didn't have as strong of a yoga background before pursuing this because i think sometimes that could have conflicted the knowledge traditional yoga versus trauma sensitive yoga those could have really conflicted so it was good that I didn't have a super strong foundation. I mean, I know downward dog, upward dog, right? The, the a flow, but that was kind of the extent of my knowledge. But it sounds like you kind of were able to go into it with a beginner's mind. Yeah, just kind of this fresh openness of yes, let me learn what mm-hmm. is trauma sensitive yoga, yes. and make that kind of the foundation within mm-hmm. your understanding of yoga. Which, I didn't have to unlearn anything. Right, just a positive experience for me. Yeah, absolutely. I, as you were just describing that in the back of my mind, I, I had parts of me that were like, "Yeah, it is hard. It can be sometimes a, a, a growth edge of needing the time to really unlearn something, but also just try and invite something different." Mm-hmm. And I was thinking for me in terms of like therapy modalities and things like that, where maybe I was trained in something, did that for many years, and then you know getting curious about something else. 
and then inviting that in. Sometimes, yeah, it can take a couple years to find that flow of then how to weave the ones yes, together. That makes sense. Totally. <laughs> so what you're saying makes, yeah, it makes sense to me as well, that <laughs> it was nice that that was kind of your, your tra- learning trauma sensitive yoga was your base. Yes. Thankfully. Yeah, that's great. And so let's get into what is trauma sensitive yoga purpose intent. How would you describe it? Yeah. Um, so I think for most people, I think a lot of people probably have at least an understanding of what typical yoga is. Even if you've never been to a class, you've, it's such a part of our cultural zeitgeist that everyone knows what yoga is, or we all think we know what yoga is. So I think sometimes to start by, to start explaining trauma sensitive yoga, it's easy to begin with how it's different from typical yoga Yeah, um, or to be able to contrast the two. So whereas with typical yoga, a lot of the focus is on perfection of form. It's on building flexibility or muscle or awareness in the body. Whereas trauma sensitive yoga, it's not about perfection of form. It's not even about the forms. The forms are a vehicle to mindfulness and awareness in the body. And trauma sensitive yoga is about reclaiming and reconnecting with the body, Mm. especially the inner sensations. So when we think about trauma and embodied trauma, and when people go through traumatic events and default to maybe, you know, one of the fight, flight or freezes, what we notice is people going through a situation like that, lose faith in their body to keep them safe. So if you think about a physical trauma, whether it's a car accident, whether it's a war veteran in a battle zone, or someone who's been abused sexually, physically rape, um, whether that's a one-time event or a continuous event, any of those reflexes, flight, fight, or freeze, those weren't able to help them in Mm -hmm. a car accident. No matter what you do, it's still going to happen. If someone was raped or abused or saw a friend get shot, none of those, none of those reactions was able to help them. So the trust in the body starts to fade. Mm -hmm. Um, and then with that, there's also all kinds of things happening under the surface, the way we embody trauma, the way that our bodies hold on to trauma. Oftentimes in those same situations, we are encoding memories, but our bodies are internalizing that trauma and taking it in. And so with a lot of trauma victims and trauma survivors, there's such a disconnect from their bodies. Oftentimes the introception that you and I feel, so we feel, we understand and we interpret signals from our body. Oh, I'm hungry now. Oh, I'm tired now. Oh, this part of my body's in pain. This part of my body's tight. Oftentimes a trauma survivor might not receive or be able to interpret those, those signals. That mm-hmm. introception is, is gone, or they might have physically lost sensation in their bodies. Right. The response to the trauma. And obviously I know, you know, all all of this as a, as a therapist, but for those people that aren't aware, or they might experience physical pain in a part of their body and it's completely unexplained. And so what trauma sensitive yoga does is it uses yoga 
as the vehicle to help start that reclaiming and reconnection to the body. And that is through five core tenets. So the five core tenets of the trauma-sensitive yoga are choice-making. We'll just go through them first, if that is okay. Yeah, yeah, that, that'd be perfect. Yeah, so choice-making, invitational language, interception, non-coercion, and a shared authentic experience. Great. Okay, so that was choice-making, invitational language, introception, non-coercion, and a shared authentic experience. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And so do you care to, let's kind of dive Not into all, yeah. each of those. Yes. Um. So choice making, I'll kind of explain the, the purpose and the root of it and why it's such an important part of trauma sensitive yoga. And then I'll try to explain what that looks like in trauma sensitive yoga. Great. Um, so choice making in trauma victims have their choices taken away. If I'm talking specifically about the populations that I've worked with victims of human trafficking, they were quite literally enslaved. So their choices were taken from them. So choice making is a foundational tenet of trauma sensitive yoga. And if you were to walk into one of my trauma sensitive yoga classes, that would look like with every form or pose giving options. I have sat in classes before where it was, everyone seemed to be a little better at yoga than I was. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't able to do the form everyone else is practicing. And it would have been so nice to have a choice to do A or B or to have, you know, a modification. And so choice-making is a really big part of trauma-sensitive yoga. And is it offering a choice for every single pose offered? Yes. 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 It's a choice of participating or not. It starts with participation. It's a choice with a particular pose, such as you can put your arm this way, or if you choose, you can put it this way. It's a choice with what you notice and what you choose to be aware of. So I might say something like, you might notice a stretching in your, in your torso. You might notice it somewhere else. You might choose not to notice anything at all. Mm. And so just so much choice built in, um, always an AB sometimes an ABC choice. We don't want to overwhelm, right? but just giving a this or that it's, you have the power it's empowering. It's, it's building agency. You mm-hmm. have the power to choose which one you want to do, or if you don't want to do anything and that's okay. And and I'm wondering too, cause I feel like in non, you know, trauma sensitive yoga classes, if they're giving an option it might be more so in terms of like mobility access mm-hmm. where they might be like, okay, we're going into this pose now, but if that doesn't feel accessible to you, like in terms of like your body physically can't make that pose, yes. here's another option or, Hey, use this block and put it here in order to maybe invite more mm-hmm. of that flexibility or mobility. Yes. But this with trauma sensitive yoga, it sounds more of here's an option in case, would you say, what I'm offering doesn't feel safe. Yeah. Safe for you, right for you, or just to let someone practice making choices again. Mm. It can be really debilitating to have to start making choices in everyday life. If you were a victim of trauma that stole your sense of choice. So this is a safe place to begin exploring what it's like to make choice again. Yeah. 
Um, and speaking of what you were saying about, you know, mobility or put a block, we also try to stay away from hierarchical language, um, hierarchical language. <laughs> it's hard to say. So I would never say something like, or you could try more advanced, or if you want to go deeper, because that's, again, that's not the point, And that can set someone's guards up. Mm. If they feel like they're not measuring up, they have to worry about being the best or being better. Um, mm. So the choice, again, is just centered around different options for someone's body. But again, also just allowing them to have choice. And I love what you just, the point you just made that you wouldn't use hierarchical <laughs> Right? I, I know it's a hard word to say. Is that right? Uh, you wouldn't be using language like that because I could see where that for sure could activate parts within someone that might become shaming or mm-hmm. um, striving yep. and wanting to push themselves into doing something that doesn't feel okay. But they're hearing from the instructor like, oh, well, this is the more advanced post. So I need to try and do that one. Yes. Especially if you do have that inner shame or you weren't. Yeah. You, yeah. So you're exactly right. And so I love that. You're going to be able to tease things out that I might not even understand quite as well as a therapist. Cause I don't have a therapy background, although many, many, many trauma sensitive yoga instructors do have therapy backgrounds, but yes, I'm appreciative for what you're able to tease out that I might not be aware of. Sure. And I just love kind of going with whatever comes up, right? Like mm-hmm. as as you're sharing information about the specialty that you have, if there are yeah things that just pop into my mind that I'm like, oh, I'm curious if this relates to that. I love kind of having that just kind of open conversation about how all this stuff connects. So choice making makes a lot of sense because like you said, people who go through traumatic experiences can feel like their ability to make choice was ripped mm-hmm. away from them. So inviting this safe environment mm-hmm. where there's not too many options being so it doesn't feel overwhelming, but enough choices being offered so where to where that person feels empowered again. Yes, yes. Yeah. Makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. And what about invitational language? Yeah. So this is along the same lines of thinking of someone who has been traumatized, especially someone who's experienced repeated traumatizations and they have more of a complex trauma of repeated events. Invitational language is going to sound like you're welcome to, if it feels right for you, if it feels safe for you. So every pose is preceded by this invitational language because as an instructor and a facilitator, although I try to break down that barrier, I'm automatically in a position, in a position of superiority over this person, because I'm the one instructing them and I'm the one leading them through. And I want to, as much as I can abolish the, those different roles, those, here's that word again, hierarchical, hierarchical, I, gosh, that, that's just a struggle for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a master's degree. I swear. I know. I Listener, know listeners, listeners right now are, are also trying to say it. And probably people right now yes. are looking it up. Like, how do you say that word? Yeah, right. I should have <laughs> probably done that before we started this. Um, but I, that word, I want to abolish as much as I can that difference of me being on a higher plane, because that can be very reminiscent of a lot of people's traumas. A lot of people's traumas come from someone who is in a position of power Mm -hmm. over them. And so I am never telling 
a participant what they should do or how they should move their bodies. I am inviting them to move a certain way. I'm inviting them to notice or to not move that way or to not notice. So the invitational language is again, just about trying to eliminate those different levels of power as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And again, I, I really appreciate that because even just like that very slight change in language, like the example you gave of in a traditional yoga class, it might sound something like, all right, now let's move into downward dog. Okay. Now go into Cobra. Okay. Now do this. Now do that. Right. It's not using that language so much of how did you say that again? I'm offering. I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you choice to make this choice. Right. And the other thing I wanted to bring up too, that you had said before with choice making, and you just said it again, was encouraging some, or I guess offering someone the opportunity to notice what that feels like in their body, but also giving them the offering that they don't have to notice. I think that's important too. Mm -hmm. Because again, it's choice, right? Like they're making the decision to connect with how that feels within their body, whatever it is that Mm -hmm. they're doing. And if it feels maybe triggering or activating in some way or shutting them down, they can then shift their focus. Yes. Maybe to somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which I think is also reminiscent of a little bit of IFS stuff, if I remember correctly from the Well, I, I, it, well it's kind of, again, it's just the power of self-awareness, right? Yeah. And to bring that ability to notice what is happening mm-hmm. <laughs> with that self-awareness and, oh, I'm starting to numb out. Yeah. Oh, I'm starting to shut down or, hmm, I'm starting to feel my heart race. Yeah. I'm starting to feel anxious, hypervigilant, you know, just to bring awareness to it and not to get either blended with it or shaming yes. you know, towards it either, mm-hmm. but to be with, and to also know, like you're saying, it's okay to also not connect with something all the time or in that moment. Yeah. Cause it's not always the time to, to confront every sensation, every trigger, every thought. And that's not always, that's not always what we need in the moment. Exactly. That's right. So that's invitational language. Yes. And then what about interoception? What does that mean? Um, so that's, that's the internal sensory feedback that we receive from our bodies and trauma often is going to cause survivors to disconnect from their internal feedback and, Trauma-sensitive yoga strives to heal those connections because those connections are oftentimes very important for our well-being. You know, pain signals that there's something wrong, hunger signals that you have to eat, tiredness signals that you need to go to sleep. Um, There's hundreds of signals that our bodies send us and we're just not operating at our highest capacity and we're not going to be fully physically healthy if we aren't able to receive and interpret those signals. And again, trauma severs those signals oftentimes or blocks those signals because the body and the brain was doing what it needed to in order to keep itself safe in a really terrible situation. But it doesn't know the body and the brain might not know that you're no longer in that trauma. Exactly. So they're continuing to block those signals when really the blocking of the signals that are coming from your body are, it's only hurting you now. Mm -hmm. It it did help in that situation because it was keeping you safe, but 
now you're out of that situation and, and your body needs to be able to work and fully function. So that's yeah. the point of interception in trauma sensitive yoga. Yeah. And I just, as you're describing that, I just have so much awe and gratitude towards our bodies yes. that we as human beings have this innate capability to be so resilient in situations that are traumatic and life-threatening, harmful to us in, in whatever ways. And like you're saying, like our body can go immediately into these states of protection, whether that is like numbing out, fighting, shutting down, whatever it might be, it does that to survive. Yes. And that's just so amazing. And then I, I just, I just find myself offering that gratitude within my body and then also offering that gratitude when I'm working with clients, when we're bringing awareness to and naming these, in IFS, we'd call them protector yes. parts yes. and getting to know them and to understand why they're there, yes. what their intention is, what their job is for that person and what their fear is if they yes. stop doing that. Because mm -hmm. like you said, these memories, these uh, moments, these wounds, all of that can get stuck within us and like trapped in time. Mm -hmm. And these parts, these sensations, these protective mechanisms get stuck in what they were doing at the time that they had to, because they had to. But then yes. as we get out of it, it doesn't always know that we're out of it. It still maybe sees us in that, you know, traumatic experiences. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so to have, yeah, to build, would you say that trauma sensitive yoga is like helping to build introception? Uh, to re to, to heal the connection. To heal, yeah. To say. heal or that. To, yeah. I guess to build your, your awareness, if you want to put it that way. Yeah. Kind of build it back. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but this may that talking about, gosh, the, the, because I, I, I'm rereading the book that I read on IFS, just I was rereading it in preparation for this. But the connection between, again, trauma and the way that the body responds and the way that IFS looks at it with these protectors and things like that, it, it feels like a good time to mention that trauma-sensitive yoga is an incredible adjunct therapy. It's an incredible thing to pair with traditional talk therapies, because my goodness, as we're talking, I can only imagine the strides you could make if you were to approach your protector parts and the ones that are maybe keeping you from interoception and invite them to observe what happens during trauma sensitive yoga mm -hmm. and invite them to be a part of that process and how they might respond and how much more quickly they might start to, to step away from those protector roles into the roles that, you know, they really would rather be doing. Mm. Um, but yeah, trauma sensitive yoga is, is an incredible pair and partner to traditional therapies. Oh, I love what you just said. Yeah. That invitation to invite our protector parts to observe that introception experience of someone going through you know, trauma sensitive yoga. I, oh, I love that. I love how you just described that inviting yeah. the protector parts to observe and to just notice. Yeah. 
what that is feeling like within the person, what that is doing, and to let them know it's okay for them to step in Mm -hmm. and maybe, you know, say, hey, that's enough for now. Yeah. And that's where you're saying you might choose not to notice. And every time you're offering that to the protector, they can make the choice. And that also might make them feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Because parts of you that are protecting you, if you're offering them the choice, hey, you can notice this. So you can also choose not to notice. And and they have the they have the power in every yeah. situation the entire way through. So mm, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That and and you're exactly right. It's a beautiful thing to pair together this talk therapy or traditional, I don't even know. I want to say IFS therapy because that's what I, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what I'm like really utilizing, but, but for sure, you know, therapy in general yes. of any kind, any modality mm-hmm. and trauma sensitive yoga and all of these guiding principles just, I feel like for sure can help unlock just even more of that rebalancing, reconnecting and yeah, that safety absolutely. within. Mm-hmm. And so, and interoception, I I have parts of me right now that are like, I learned about this through another one of my mentors and she would talk about interoception and proprioception. And okay, love my favorite. <laughs> okay. Well, I am just trying to remember. I'm like, I'm, she might be listening to this right now. Jessica, I apologize if I get this wrong, (laughs) but I remember her talking about, cause she was my yoga mentor and she would talk about interest and interoception and helping us. Yeah. Realize like, okay, it's paying attention to like, yeah. What are you noticing physical sensation wise within the body? Can -hmm. you feel your organs? Like, can you feel your bones? Can you feel your nervous system? Right? Like all of that is in there within us. And then proprioception being, I always called it like our spidey senses. I, I, again, I hope I'm getting this right. (laughs) If not, I apologize, but it was like, so interoception was inner proprio was out. Okay. And so it was bringing awareness to what was going, like how, I guess maybe we were responding to the stuff going on around us. Mm. I don't know. I, like I said, it might be completely different, but you're going to get a phone call. After she listens to this, she's going to be like, no, that wasn't correct. Or maybe it was, I don't know, but I was having memories of being taught that in my work with, uh, with Jessica Mm -hmm. and, but the biggest thing being with this, like helping people who are trauma survivors get reconnected with that inner knowing that ability to have that awareness of what's going on inside and throughout our body Mm -hmm. and how that can be severed or impacted through our protector system Mm -hmm. because it had to be at one time to help us survive. And then once we're in a safe space, we can help invite ways to invite that system to come back online. online, Yeah. Yeah. Well, and when you're talking about say the word, the other, not introception, proprioception, proprioception. Yeah. So the awareness of what's going on, I think just chewing on that. If you're a trauma survivor, you, your alarm system is online all the time. You are hypervigilant of what is going around on around you. And so I think it's more about bringing it back into balance. So toning down that awareness of what's going on around you and then honing in more on the internal experience, right? Because 
the internal experience was not, that wasn't necessary to keep you safe. You to keep safe, you had to be, you know, if you were in an abusive situation, you had to be aware of if it was a partner that was abusive, their every tone, the way they, you know, maybe move their mouth to the side right before they're about to explode or what your surroundings look like if you're in a war zone. So that proprio proprioception. And I just looked it up. Okay. Yeah. That was, that's probably in many survivors of trauma turned the dials turned all the way up. And so we need to turn that down a little bit in order to turn the dial of the internal experience up. Yeah. And I was, and I was wrong. (laughs) I want to correct myself (laughs) as I'm recording this. So proprioception is the sense that lets us perceive the location movement and action of parts of the body. Okay. So how your body is interacting with the physical world. Yeah. So it encompasses a complex of sensations, including perception of like joint position and movement, muscle force and effort. Okay. That makes sense that you would have talked about that in a yoga yoga training. Yeah. yeah. Cause she, again, she was bringing up interoception and then she brought up proprioception and then there's another one that is more of the external. I think it's extraception. Extraception. Yeah, that's right. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. External, yeah. extra. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. And and I remember in like when I was learning this, being like, okay, so intro, like I was visualizing it as like, okay, like really in there, introception of like deep in there. Like I said, yeah. the organs and am I hungry? And like what are what is my system? like telling me in there and then proprioception is kind of just like the awareness of yeah like as I move my arms and I'm aware of like my arm bending and Mm -hmm. can I feel that right and am I aware of where's my left foot in connection to my right foot and again like someone who's gone through something traumatic they may have just shut down yes and not have that proprioception Either again, if you can't physically feel entire parts of your bodies, your body, you're not going to be able to have awareness of how your muscles are moving and how things are connecting. And yeah, so absolutely. I mean, interoception, proprioception, extraception, they're all, they're all related. They all mm-hmm. influence one another. So certainly. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other one that you mentioned was non-coercion. Yes, it's very similar to the ones we already talked about, but it's so important that it's its own thing because again, oftentimes trauma comes from someone else being coercive, someone else being forceful. And so we never want to be forceful again. That's why we have choice making. That's why we have invitational language. Um, just the individual and their wants and needs and their choices are prioritized. So that every individual participant can decide for themselves what is most useful and safe for their bodies in the moment. And we would, we never do, um, assists that's there's no touching. Obviously. I think that's, that one's pretty obvious why we would never touch in trauma sensitive yoga. Um, we're always in one spot in the room. So participants always know where to find us. We never even ask them to close their eyes. Um, so there can never be or we try to minimize the possibility of coercion in any way. Okay. And yeah, that was something I was just going to ask you about, but you just mentioned it, the 
the physical assists, I know something that is oftentimes offered in other types of yoga classes. I feel like a lot of the time, not always, I'll say, but I feel like a lot of the time now teachers will ask, mm-hmm. like they'll say at the beginning of the class, does anyone, is anyone in here? Okay. Like who's okay with yeah. physical assist or, or they even have like those tokens now yeah, where you can flip and put them next to your mat. If you're open to physical assist, or if you're not, mm-hmm. I really appreciate those. I think that's a great idea, I but think it makes, we're becoming just more aware of trauma and people's individual choice. So I think, and I think that's mm-hmm. a good thing. Yeah. But it makes complete sense to me that if you are specifically offering trauma sensitive yoga, that, oh. <laughs> yeah, you just wouldn't even, I'm assuming even give kind of that option of the tokens. You just would. Yeah. Just yeah. not even do physical assist. Yeah. Again, it's also the perfection of the form isn't, isn't the point, right? So right. it's the, it's the tool to bring your interception back online. Trauma sensitive is the sensitive yoga is the tool to empowering and healing. It's not, it's not, to it's not get, the pose. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And then the last one you mentioned was shared authentic experience. Yeah. Um, so typically we all, uh, there's always exceptions such as earthquakes, fires, car accidents, but typically often I'll say oftentimes, um, cause of course there's hundreds of millions of people I'm sure that have other kinds, but oftentimes trauma occurs within relationships. And so relationships can be such a force of healing for trauma. And so we want to create a safe space where there is trust, where there is safety, where all these things are shared. And we also want to be authentic and real because again, those people who have experienced trauma, their senses and hypervigilance are rapid firing and they are going to be the first ones to be able to tell if someone is being inauthentic, Mm -hmm. if someone does not care about them, does not care about their healing, does not care about their situation. And so to be together in a space, to be sharing an experience, to be authentic with one another, that is such an important piece of trauma sensitive yoga, because if you're phony and fake, someone who's experienced trauma oftentimes is going to be able to spot that a mile away and Mm -hmm. they're not going to trust you. They're not, they're going to run the opposite direction. So just having that shared authentic experience together is, is so important. And I guess, how would you embody that as you are leading a trauma sensitive yoga class? How do you, I guess, get connected with that authenticity within yourself, like, cause we all, we're all human. Right. So, yeah. and I know you have a young daughter, so, you know, there's, I have a young son, there's mm-hmm. things that can be in the back of our brains in regards to like our child, there's things going on with relationships and there's just life. Right. So how, I guess I'm just curious, how do you get connected and grounded within your authentic self when you go into a, yeah. a teaching experience? Um, so I think it's about first opening up and being vulnerable and real because for someone walking into trauma sensitive yoga, that is a vulnerable step in and of itself. So being vulnerable, being open, letting them know who you are as a person, maybe just beginning by explaining who you are, where you come from, who your family is and reaching out, asking them if they want to share anything about who they are 
making sure that every single person is known by name, making sure that everyone's experience within the class before class and after class is valid and no one's experience is more valid than another person's being fully present. So I would never be checking my phone in the middle of a class or be distracted with something else. So being present, being aware of how people are reacting in a moment and pivoting or adjusting based on that rather than just going through with my plan because it's my plan and it doesn't matter if you're responding or not responding. If someone's laying there and they're the only person in the, in the session and they're not doing any of them, I'm not going to just continue doing what I'm doing. I'm going to check in and see what they need that day. Keeping classes small. I would never have more than five or six participants in a class or in a session. So really making sure that I'm able to be attuned to every single person there. And I guess just who you are as a person, it's some some people are inauthentic and, you know, we can all smell it from a mile away. And so right. I just, I, I truly care about helping people find healing from their trauma. And I, and I hope and pray that that is evident and kind of emanates for me in a class setting. Yeah. Does that answer? Does Absolutely. That yeah. That That's beautiful. And you mentioned things that I was sitting here like, Oh yeah, that that's great. And that makes so much sense. And I think too, like the class size makes sense to me. You know, if you have so many people in there, you're just not mentally and physically going to be able to be paying attention to how, if you have 20, 30 people in a class, you know, how is everyone doing? That's going to take a lot of energy from you as a teacher to try and keep track of all that. So having the classes smaller makes a lot of sense. So you can bring your awareness to how each person's doing, not always just sticking with the plan. Especially if you're noticing that people, whether it's one person or maybe everyone, you know, isn't necessarily maybe vibing with what's being, (laughs) what's being offered or, and yeah, just having that check in. I I think about this too, like as a therapist, you know, one thing that, uh, another thing that I love about IFS is the encouragement for therapists who are doing this IFS work to check in with the parts of them that are present, like before you go into a session with someone, you know, cause like I was saying, we're human too. We've got stuff going on internally. (laughs) And if we don't have awareness of it and we don't maybe have some spaciousness, Mm -hmm. then we can have that energy kind of be in the middle or be in the room, which can have a negative impact on the therapeutic relationship. So similar. So similar. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what I was hearing, like, as you were describing all that was having that time to check in with yourself and to invite that awareness within yourself as a teacher to make sure that you're connecting with whatever's going on within you to help invite as much access to self energy, as we would say in IFS, which is that calm, grounded, present, compassionate energy and people can feel that self-energy is contagious, right? And like you were saying also too, if we're blended with parts of us that maybe are, um, I don't know, have other agendas or having sometimes a negative impact, especially people who have gone through traumas can sense that yeah, and be pretty hypervigilant to that. And then that's going to shut their system 
down, maybe in defense mode, skepticism, all of that. Yeah. So makes a lot of sense. Completely. Well, yeah. So I love that choice making, invitational language, interception, non coercion, and shared authentic experience. Anything else you want to add about trauma sensitive yoga that we haven't talked about that you think would be important for the listeners to know? I I mentioned kind of that it's it's a great like pair or adjunct to other forms of more traditional therapy, but I just was blown away again. This is kind of the research that I was looking into and that I was struck by when I was trying to find ways to best empower these young women we were working with in Nepal. Um, but when compared to cognitive processing therapy, trauma-sensitive yoga participants experienced equal results in terms of PTSD symptoms. The trauma-sensitive yoga in in, a, in one study in particular, they had two groups, one going through trauma-sensitive yoga, the other through cognitive processing therapy. And the trauma-sensitive yoga had a 60% completion rate, whereas CPT had 38. So mm. people are more likely to stick with it. Um, it's been clinically proven to be, to have results with veterans with PTSD and sex trauma, sex trauma survivors. And, um, the last thing I'll say about kind of the research that supports it is that it, uh, complements therapy. It builds neuroplasty, it strengthens coping skills for the future, and it builds safety and resilience. So it builds safety, a sense of safety in our own bodies, and it, and it builds resistance. It's it's good for all ages. It's good for all body types. You can be any person, any age, any gender, any body type, any race, any ethnicity, and you can participate. If all you can do is sit in a chair, we will find ways to do yoga in a chair. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I have been blown away by by how powerful it can be in reducing anxiety and depression and PTSD symptoms. And this is not just, oh, I feel better. Some people have felt better. This is clinical studies that show this. So I I think that this is probably going to be something that ends up growing and blowing up, or at least I hope it does. Um yeah. across the nation, across the world, because uh, just how much the research supports it and how many people are out there that have trauma, myself included. So I just think that it's only a matter of time before this just becomes bigger and bigger. And I am excited to be a small part of that and hopeful and excited to be a small part of individual people's journeys towards healing, towards empowerment. And yeah, just thank you for letting me talk about it and get jazzed up. No, I I love I love talking with you about all of this stuff because I can tell again, how passionate you are about it and how much it is, you know, meant to you and means to you. And I know just from talking with you outside of this recording, you know, again, this is something that you're really wanting to provide people, you know, in the local area. And I'm curious too, would you be able to provide this service for people like over zoom if they, if they're not able to come to you physically? Yes. I, I of course would love to be face-to-face with someone, but I also like to provide materials on mindfulness and gratitude because I think all of that is so complimentary to what we do. And I, I have a little booklet that I give people, but I can, I can send that over as a PDF. I can 
do trauma sensitive yoga over zoom. That's how I did all of my training. And I found it to be so powerful and we can still absolutely have a shared authentic experience over zoom. You and I are doing it right now. And we, we live in an age where we're used to having relationships and connecting over the computer. And so, yes, long answer, <laughs> make it a long answer. Yes, I can. Okay, perfect. Yeah. And in terms of services that you are currently providing for people who are listening to this and maybe them for themselves, they're like, oh, wow, this sounds like something I could really benefit from. Or maybe people listening are thinking about someone else in their life. Are you offering one-on-one like coaching or services? Are there any groups that you're providing? What are some things that you're offering? Um, So if you go to my website, therapeuticyogasensei.com, there should be uh, a menu item that talks about different offerings. I have one-on-one, I have small, again, it's going to be small, but small group classes. Obviously there's going to be variations in price with those things, but yeah, whatever, whatever you're looking for in terms of one-on-one small group online in person, we can, we can make it happen. Perfect. So people can go to your website, therapeuticyogasensei.com, and I'll put that in the show notes. And then you also have your Instagram handle, which is at therapeuticyogasensei as well. Uh All right. Perfect. Well, thank you again so much for coming on and breaking this down with me. And again, I just, I have a feeling that the listeners are probably so grateful for this explanation of trauma-sensitive yoga and the importance of helping to invite offering, I guess, maybe that understanding of how trauma impacts someone internally and their ability to connect with their body Mm -hmm. and how something like yoga, specifically trauma-sensitive yoga, can help someone feel that connection again in a safe and compassionate way. So thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you. I so appreciate you as well. 